It's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Thursday, September 7th, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. Decades ago, the United States government spread misinformation about the Black Panther Party, causing the party to become mostly inactive. But as of recently, it's begun recruiting again. The California Report brings us to the home of its San Diego chapter. Then, after a look at local news and weather, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza speaks with Annie Pickin, a founding member of Nevada County Youth Commission, to learn more about the group and its many functions. That's all before an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Mavi Bolaños in San Francisco. And here's a California story we've been following. The Rockland Unified School Board in Placer County is joining a growing list of school boards adopting a policy that many LGBTQ plus advocates say will do more harm than good. The school board voted to approve a policy that would require staff to notify parents if their child identifies as transgender. This came after six hours of public comment. The majority of speakers were against the policy. Amy Bentley is a teacher in the district. I have to wonder if the parents advocating for this policy would have a change of heart if their child became suicidal after a teacher called home to comply with the policy. As for me, I cannot in good conscience compromise the safety and mental health of a child. The proposed policy is illegal, immoral, it will harm children, and for all of those reasons, even if it is adopted, I will not follow it. McIntosh Morgan is a president for the LGBTQIA Alliance Club at Rockland High School. Morgan is transgender. Our schools are not a safe place for the transgender community. There is absolutely no way the school can determine whether or not the child they are outing lives in a safe environment. By approving this policy, you are also guaranteeing that the child's school is even less of a safe place for them to openly be themselves. This policy is dangerous and will only do harm to the students. Still, parents like Jonathan Zuckerman voice their support for the policy. And there are people in this room in Sacramento that are trying to say it's dangerous for someone like me, a parent, to know something so critical about their child's mental health that it needs to be kept secret from them. An open secret, mind you, because this policy is only triggered at the same time a child's teacher, peers, other school staff, and even school volunteers learn that the child is being treated as a different gender at school. The Orange Unified School Board will vote on a similar policy tonight. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery, on the web at schmidtocean.org. In San Diego, the Black Panther Party is recruiting new members. Decades ago, the U.S. government spread misinformation that caused the party to become mostly inactive. Now, the San Diego chapter is one of many reviving across the country. KPBS reporter Katie Heisen explored their renewed effort to return all power to the people. A room in the Malcolm X Library in Valencia Park fills with chatter. More than a dozen people arrive for a meet-and-greet with the Black Panthers. 
Half a century later, their 10-point platform remains the same. Number two, we seek and establish avenues of proper living wage employment for our people and continuously disregard the practice of codependency through systemic and systematic modes of oppression. But copies are being passed into a new generation of hands. At one end of the table sits their Minister of Information, a 24-year-old in all black, curly hair spilling out of a black beret. I like my speech and my action to align. So if I'm saying I'm a panther, then you're going to see a panther. <laughs> she goes by Fiel. A lot of us prefer the pseudonyms just for um, identity protection because the counterintelligence programs are still operating against black radical organizations. Fiel had been hunting for an outlet for what she calls revolutionary change. But I wasn't really vibing with a lot of the movements that were happening around me. She says she mostly saw protests with no follow-up. So we're here, we're angry, and then literally nothing is changing. She learned about the Black Panthers in a TV documentary and looked to see if they were still around. She joined the local chapter last year. They run a community garden, feed unhoused people, and run a free store on what used to be a notorious site of gang activity. They file complaints against the police and observe stops in their neighborhoods. Through the programs, they teach the community how to empower themselves. The Panthers were mostly active in the 1960s. Their iconic black berets, brought out of the history books and back into the streets of San Diego, grab attention. Every time we go out, it's always like that. They're like, oh my God, there's Panthers? Y'all are Panthers, what are you doing? <laughs> Can I ask what your family thought about you getting involved? I didn't tell them at first. <laughs> she says she was nervous about what they might think. Fiel and the Panthers face a lie that has survived across decades. They're a black hate group. Uh, they're just a black version of the Ku Klux Klan. Michael Odom, SDSU Africana Studies professor. These are all things that were put out for, to deliberately mislead. Misinformation put out by the FBI, Odom says who saw their organizing and socialist ideology as a threat. The government's efforts caused the Black Panthers to go largely inactive by 1970, but they reconvened for a 50th anniversary in late 2016. Uh, this was around the time of a guy by the name of Alfred Alongo was, was killed in El Cajon. Alongo, Black, unarmed, and in mental crisis, was shot and killed by the police who were called to assist him. Original members decided the community still needed the Black Panther Party, so they brought it back to life. Police violence is one of many issues the Panthers organized around in the 60s that persists today. Right at the moment that the Panthers were organizing against incarceration, there was less than a tenth of the people in prison then that are in prison now. It's not just in San Diego. The Panthers are reviving in places across the country to address worsening issues like incarceration, housing, and food insecurity. But San Diego Panthers Chief of Staff Karan Fields says their vision is bigger than their service projects. These are band-aids. These are programs designed for survival, right? This is the end goal. The goal, he says, is to empower the community to change their conditions end the need for Band-Aids, end the need for the Black Panthers. As long as we need Panthers, then, then our job isn't done. The party now vets new members, including background checks. There's also a new multicultural branch called the Panther Party, and they don't open carry guns. The most serious weapon we carry around is an ink pen. 
For The California Report, I'm Katie Heisen in San Diego. And that's The California Report for Thursday, September 7th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional news, on Friday, September 1st, Rise Grass Valley filed a petition for recognition of vested rights to conduct mining operations at the Idaho-Maryland mine in Grass Valley. What's a vested right, you ask? Well, County Council Catherine Elliott says, quote, A vested right is a right to continue activity that existed before a zoning restriction became effective. A vested rights finding for Rise Grass Valley would mean that the applicant has a legal right to mine on the Brunswick industrial site. This means that the Board of Supervisors previously scheduled October 2nd and 3rd hearing on Rise Grass Valley's application for a conditional use permit is canceled, and instead, it will hold a hearing on the petition on Friday, October 27th. That'll take place at 9 a.m. in the Board Chambers, 950 Maidu Avenue in Nevada City. The hearing will include presentations from county staff and the applicant, questions from county supervisors, and public comment, and the Board is expected to make a final determination on whether the petition for vested rights is valid or not valid. They'll make that determination by reviewing the facts of the historical use of the mine property and reviewing the law. So what will their decision mean? Well, if the board approves the petition, the next step would be consideration of a reclamation plan, which would explain in detail how the applicant would operate the mine. In addition to that, Rise Grass Valley would need to provide a statement of responsibility and financial assurances that the applicant could cover potential damages. If the board were to deny the petition, the county would schedule a noticed public hearing to consider the original proposal to reopen the Idaho-Maryland mine in early December. If you're interested in viewing a copy of Rise Grass Valley's petition for recognition of vested rights, you can find it available for public review at the Community Development Agency, 950 Maidu Avenue in Nevada City, or online at www.nevadacountyca.gov slash IMMRISE. But with all that said, the bottom line is that Rise Grass Valley has officially filed their petition for recognition of vested rights at the Idaho-Maryland mine. We're turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 57. Friday will be sunny and warm with a high near 82. And Friday night, clear with a low around 57. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 41. Friday, sunny with a high near 72. Friday night, clear with a low around 41. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight clear with a low around 59. Friday, sunny and hot, with a high near 90. Friday night, clear with a low around 59. Currently, there are no red flag warnings or fire weather watches, and you're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Have you heard of the Nevada County Youth Commission? At its core, it's a group of young local people who work to identify, connect, and advocate for any and all issues facing Nevada County youth. Coming up, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza spoke with Annie Picken, one of the group's founding members, to learn more about the commission and how it seeks to facilitate positive change. I'm Annie Picken, and 
I am and was one of the founders for the um, Nevada City Youth Commission. So I created it, put it together, presented it, and then I am currently working to do more outreach to push it to our community and get it um, the youth knowledge about it. Annie, tell me about the Nevada County Youth Commission. What is it? So the Nevada County Youth Commission will be a group of teenagers from Nevada County. They will either reside in Nevada County or be enrolled in Nevada County school system, um, ages 14 to 19. And their goal is essentially to advocate for issues of the Nevada County youth and connect the youth of the community to the adults and the county and the Board of Supervisors. What are some of the issues? Give me some examples. Um, We currently don't have any placed, like, yet in the system just because we want the sense it's new and we want the first group to actually be the ones with the ideas and what they think will matter because it's going to change over time and with the issues that will keep arising. But we've pointed out, like, addiction, discrimination, and mental health are currently, like, our examples. Okay. And explain how the commission is going to work. So we're going to meet roughly once a month as a whole group. And then, so we're going to, the first meeting will be more, like, discussing what we want to focus on, choosing, like, some co-leaders and then, like, the presidents. And then we're going to break off into, like, subcommittees that will be based off of the issues that we choose. So, for example, if we chose discrimination, there would be a subcommittee that focused on discrimination. There might be another one that focused on mental illness. And then they'll meet separately outside of that one meeting a month, and then we'll bring it. We'll be at events in the community. We'll be reaching out to other resources that we have within our community and reach out to the youth that need those resources. The Nevada County Youth Commission is connected to the Nevada County Board of Supervisors. Describe that connection for me and tell me how the commission will interact with the soups. So we were formed under the Board of Supervisors, so we presented to them on August 9th and then got approved. So we will be meeting once a year with the Board of Supervisors, kind of just to get them in the loop of what we've been working on that year to help them to see if there's any issues in their community um, that they're working with that would be helpful to get our input from. And there will be a lot of connecting what they're working with and seeing if, like, the Youth Commission can bring any advice or recommendations to the county. Why is this commission important? So with the local government and our county being mainly adults and pretty much only adults, it's really important to bring the youth voice through in the local government due to the fact that the parents that might be in the government or any of the adults don't necessarily know what is on the youth's mind. And it's a good way where we really get our voice into the local government and we can change and really help improve the environment for the youth as well. What would you say to any young people that may be listening? What would be your pitch? I guess really, if you have any strong opinion at all about the youth community, if you have any strong opinions of what should be changed, 
or what you feel we deserve more of or any issues or anything. If you have a strong opinion, I think this would be a perfect program for you and a great start to meet new people, to really get a inner look of the local governments and be an advocate. How do people get involved? Is there an application process? Yes, there's currently an application on the Nevada County website. If you go under the CEOs and then under community engagement, you'll find the Youth Commission. And then the application is open until September 15th currently, and it'll be right on the main page of our um, page. I've been talking with Annie Pickin. She's one of the founding members of the new Nevada County Youth Commission. Annie, thank you for talking with me. Thank you so much. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, observations from a working poet. From where I'm sitting in this cafe, I can see marks made by some kind of machinery that smoothed out the parking lot's asphalt and made a big curve. It's like the trail a wet broom might leave on a deck until it dried. Many bristle tracks within a certain width. Thinking about how things are made and who made them helps me exist in this unpredictable world. It helps remind me that we need each other and have already taken care of each other and can continue to do so. Whoever drove that paving truck didn't know a coffee shop would take over this space or that a poet might sit by the window on Tuesday mornings looking around. He, it was probably a he, was trying to spread hot material over a quarter acre and not screw up. I have no idea how this works, but suspect there is simultaneous spreading and flattening involved, and an optimum temperature, and gears, and that sharp scent of the tar itself, what my grandmother used to call macadam. My Toyota, parked on top of this surface, has just reached drinking age in California and looks as though she's had a rough night. Her dark green paint began to peel last year, right under the windows all the way around, and close up looks just awful. I wish I weren't attached to things looking pretty. It's an impediment to serenity. A friend's grandkid advises me I should have been waxing the car to prevent this. I do not laugh or tell him that will be the D-A-Y or even recommend that he take a long walk off a short pier, as we used to say in Boston. I nod. I think to myself, aha, I am now the vintage when teenaged boys tell me how things are done. There are 50 years between us. He'll find out what's what in his own time. I hear Montpelier, the capital of Vermont, as you recall, is flooded halfway up its parking meters all the way through town this morning from heavy rain and an overflowing river. What a mess that will be to clean up. Climate crisis is getting more so all over the place, and here I am still driving an unhybridized fossil fuel-dependent car. As Bob Dylan told us, a hard rain's going to fall, and also... Your old road is rapidly aging. He and his lyrics have been sustaining us for most of my life now, moving in and out of direct relevance. 
There's really so much to be grateful for. The roof and three squares, if you have them, a car that still runs, eyes to see with, a dark green ink pen made in Japan, and a narrow ruled notebook. Being grateful has become such a modern cliche, it's almost painful. I hate it when important things get trendy. But one reason cliches are born is that something is so well said or deeply believed that everyone repeats it, takes it to heart. It is widely useful. And isn't that a good thing? I ask myself. I'm working on being less irritable, but it's slow going. As Bonnie Raitt likes to say to end her concerts, take care of each other out there. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for this Thursday, September 7th. Head over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Four Paws Animal Clinic. Dr. Susan Murphy and Stu Lester and staff are proud to support KVMR, providing medical, dental, alternative, and surgical services for cherished companions. On Searles Avenue at Nevada City, fourpawsac.com and Green Acres Nursery and Supply, offering garden tips when planning fall gardens. Check irrigation, amend soil with organics, and start seeds. Garden gurus are on hand at each location. IDigGreenAcres.com Support for KVMR's Future of Radio Project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening Newscast is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Jem. Have a great night.